Alex Carell is one of over 70,000 Google Career Certificate graduates. The Google Career Certificate program completely changed the trajectory of my life. I've always been interested in computers, but I never thought I could turn this into a career. Anytime I got a little break, I just pop open the course on my phone. That allowed me to have that path into a career that I'm passionate about. Train online for in-demand jobs in IT, UX design, data analytics, project management, and more. Visit grow.google/certificates. How do you explain the unexplainable? That warmth that fills you up from the inside out. Does it come from the air, the sea, the sun, the people? Or is it something that can't be put into words? Because Aruba is more than a beautiful island. It's a feeling that brings out a happier, sunnier you. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your next visit at aruba.com. Good evening, Honey Hole Hangout crew. What's up? Welcome to Honey Hole Hangout, the podcast about hunting, fishing, and misadventures in the outdoors. I'm your host, Landon, here with Zach, Cliff, Ian, and the infamous Odom. <laughs> and the barking dog. And, and, dog. and, and the barking dog. dog in an open garage. <laughs> What's up, Odom? Hey, everyone. Glad to be here, man. Yeah, we're happy to have you. For sure. Yeah. Um, I would say Odom's uh, fly fishing resume would be, uh, the top things on his resume would be carp fishing, European nymphing. And photography. Would yeah. you agree or disagree? I would agree. Okay. Yeah. Like top of the resume, like yeah. this is what... Lately, yes. Lately. Lately. Yeah. Lately. Yeah. yeah. I would agree with that. Okay. Cool. So um, we still don't have 10 written reviews, um, so we can't give away our price package valued from $50 to a million dollars. Probably somewhere around $55, but you never know. You never know. <laughs> Maybe we'll put a lot of tickets in there. Yeah. So go to Apple Podcasts, but write a review. But you got to give us the rest if it's over a million. <laughs> Write a review, and uh, we'll read it live on air, good, bad, or indifferent, and uh, we appreciate it, and you'll get entered in a drawing, even if it's a bad review. Hopefully, fingers crossed, it's not. Hopefully, it's a good review. And, do uh, I if, count? Do you count? Yeah. 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 Enter it. Odom's going yeah. to enter Why it not? right now. Do you guys really want Odom to win? I'm, I mean, go on and write a review. Might as well. And then, if you guys want to go to our website, honeyholeangling.com, yep. we have... Sweet articles that Ian writes. We have merch, and uh, we have our famous fish to flat sticker for those flat Earth believers out there. <laughs> flat Earth, flat fly fishers. <laughs> well, we haven't pulled a flat Earth oh, jerk no. in a while. No, I, I heard that in yeah. a couple of the episodes. Yeah, dude, I have two flat Earth stickers on my desk right now. <laughs> I actually heard it when I was working out of the gym. And I think I was spitting out. <laughs> <laughs> we have. There's right there. We have yeah, at least one. one on the table. Yeah, it's right there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's one. Yeah. Oh, you know, Odom, I'm going to send you a sticker. All right. Yeah. You got two Bigfoot stickers. Um, we do have a couple Bigfoot stickers. So we'll swing right into our uh, whiskey review. What are we drinking tonight? We're drinking Zach. Buffalo Trace, uh, which it's funny. Like, it was hard to find for a while, but now the last probably two months, I've been finding bottles uh, almost every time I go to the store. Oh, really? Yeah, they don't have a lot, but um, they've always had like two or three bottles, at least the places I've been. 
So yeah, has it been one you have were actively seeking out beforehand? I was because I didn't. I had never tried it, um, but you know. The thing is, it tastes pretty good, and it's like twenty eight bucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like it's one, of, yeah, it's like one of the cheaper bourbons we've tried, and um, I don't know, it's definitely worth it. Yeah, it's I really like it. Yeah, after three shots, everything tastes the same. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's really sweet. Uh huh. Super sweet. Yeah, and uh, I like the. We never talk about the logo, but I like the classic buffalo. Just oh, yeah. on the front. Buffalo is my favorite animal. So, uh, like, Really? Why is a yeah. buffalo your favorite animal? That's a spirit in them. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, uh, I think, you know, being in Lubbock, going up to Caprock Canyon, seeing, like, the actual buffalo there. Plus, like, buffalo in general or, like, it's like an American, like, success story or yeah. conservation success story. Like, to see that they're under, like, a thousand. And now, what, they're, like, half a million? I still think they have a lot of room to grow. They do. But, like... They were under a thousand animals in total, and because of active conservation, now they're like half a million. Mm-hmm. Like it's I do, crazy. I do to think agree that. with you. I think it's almost like it's like a live mythical animal. Almost man, it's right. American. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's. I think that's. Yeah. What do like you it. think of like westward expansion yeah, and right. just like American history? The buffalo was just like stamped on the front page. Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, seeing them in Lamar Valley in Yellowstone. Mm-hmm. Just, it's you beautiful. got some great pictures. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was actually looking on the phone as soon as Zach said that. I was, man, like, let me go look at some. Uh, yeah, we're we're so, gonna talk to Odom about photography today and some other listener questions. I want to go see one of those buffalo jumps that the Indians used to run them off cliffs and do. Oh yeah, man, you're dark. I'm <laughs> <laughs> a dark quick. <laughs> I just want to see one of them. You want to see a live one, or you want to just see the spot? I want to see the spot. Cliff, like, hey, can I get some elephants to jump off a cliff? <laughs> oh man! No, I like to see the spot, but I like things like that. Like, I, I like going to ghost towns, yeah, and seeing ghost towns yeah. and all that too, yeah. Hey, uh, Ian, what are you drinking tonight? Dude, I am drinking a Pago premium fruit orange juice uh, in a small bottle. Um, I think this is supposed to be a mixer for mixed drinks. I don't think you're supposed to drink this regularly, to be honest, because it looks super concentrated. (laughs) Yeah, so So it's not hand squeezed. Sorry, what was that, Zach? It's not hand squeezed. It's not Tropicana. No, it says pre- it says premium. Uh, okay, let's read this. But what does that mean? It's what does like, premium mean? It's from the dude, is this the is like eight of ounces tree. of juice. <laughs> Humidity gets into the dude, rind. That's I don't know. Just put in special bottle. <laughs> is it? Uh, is it pulp? How's the pulp? Exactly. Action? How's the pulp action? Okay, hold on. We're gonna taste it real quick. Oh, he hasn't. Tried All right, man. let me try this. We here we go. I mean, it's pretty good, man. It does. <laughs> What's that? No, nothing. Go on. Go on. Uh, I mean, it tastes like Tropicana orange juice. Sorry, Pago. They're probably like our marketing just went to hell. <laughs> like, we know who your sponsors won't be. Yeah. <laughs> Are we, we're growing yeah. that list pretty fast. <laughs> That's a long list already. We're, it's probably from it's probably from Florida, where I assume all orange juice comes from. Um. Let's see, dude. I don't know. It's not bad. I 
sorry, I don't have a really descriptive review because this bottle is tiny. Like it's a mixer bottle and it's really difficult to read. It says shake well before opening, fruit content 100%. Oh, that's good. Mm-hmm. Is it sweet? Used within three to four days. Sugar, uh, sugar content compared to other orange juices, high or low? Oh, okay. Here we go. Um, okay, this is probably an eight ounce bottle mm-hmm. and it's probably like 12 grams of sugar. Eh, oh. That's not the worst. There you go, gram per ounce. Yeah. Well, actually, over a gram yeah. per ounce. Yeah. Well, hey, Ian, thanks for your uh, orange Yeah, review. sorry. Th- you're welcome for no. that descriptive <laughs> review. <laughs> hey, man, it's my favorite part every week. No, your best one last week was it tastes uh, it smells like industrial packaging or something like that. <laughs> that Dude, it smells like industrial distribution. <laughs> um, well, uh, thanks, Ian. We appreciate it. We're going to go uh, right into some questions. And people specifically were writing questions to Odom. Um, Odom, how did you get into fly fishing, and at what point did you realize that you were hooked? Oh, oh. pun intended. Probably, pun is probably intended. Yeah, it probably it is. Um, probably hooked myself somewhere sometime on that time. Mm-hmm. By the way, probably age thirteen, living in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, we had some uh, ponds around our homes in these apartment complexes, and uh. Ironically, the fish I, I was fishing for was carp, but it was un, unconventional. Mm-hmm. And corn, you know, the whole deal when you're a kid, yep. 13 years old. So it was it carp. Was trying to pull a fish in. Yeah. 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 But didn't dude, matter what it was. Yeah. yeah. You didn't have those elitist mentalities yet. <laughs> no, not yet. Yeah, no, no. Not bougie yet, man. Yeah, bougie. No, no, no. Not bougie yet. Yeah. Just want to hold a fish. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Probably didn't know. Yeah. Probably like still yeah. lipping it or gilling it. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It's about 13. That's that's when I knew I was hooked. On fishing. But what, when did you start fly fishing? Dude, you're not going to believe this. November 2016. Really? Oh, wow. Only, yeah. What, less than maybe just a little bit over four years? Mm-hmm. So, Not did you conventional long. fish that whole time, like consistently? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And and I just started, I, dude, I look like a fool out there. I mean, like November 2016, I got my first fly rod. It was a BVK, uh, TFO BVK. You know, um, Marco, yeah. I was talking to Marco when we went to Utah, and he was telling me that. You guys both started at the same time, yep. and you had no idea what you were doing. Dude, so y'all like you. teamed up. Uh huh. Yeah, Odom and like a Marco fool, against the world. <laughs> I looked like a fool. I mean, I was literally right there below the dam at uh, Canyon Lake. You know where they mm-hmm. let the water out. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I was just out there on the shore, man, assembling the rod. I mean, I probably just took forever to assemble that rod. Like, where's how, how does this go? Where are the dots? And now I know there's alignment dots. So mm-hmm. I just learned last month. <laughs> no um yeah dude i was flailing out there and that's self-taught yeah you know, so how long did it take you to f- catch a fish on the guadalupe because yeah. the reason i asked that is there's a lot of people i know that really struggle on the guadalupe yeah um i've caught my first one the first week of january 2017 so november december and so probably two months. Two months. Were you fishing pretty regularly? Yeah, I yeah. did every weekend. Um, trial and error. Learned, and once you kind of catch that first one, it cut everything. Just like yeah, yeah. Just, it's like it clicks. It clicked. Yeah, yeah. It just clicked, right? Yeah. And so that's what happened. And you know, from there on, I was just kept on going and going, and, and you know, 
Here we are. Yeah, I, I remember it took me five trips to the quad before I caught my first fish. Mine was up there with probably five or six, too. Yeah. Yeah, two of those it was a real floats. struggle. Yeah. And I see people get discouraged. I went to the quad for the first time today. I couldn't catch any fish. And they're kind of down, but it's just like, like you said, though, once it clicks, yeah. you can, it just it just makes sense. It comes together. Yeah. yeah. And then as you learn specific spots and know where the rocks are and where the fish like to hold, that just adding on top of the knowledge that you already know and just compounds over time. Yeah, yeah sure did. And, you know, you just keep on learning and watching video, asking questions, yeah. asking yeah. others. See what's working. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, oh, uh, the question we always ask, mm -hmm. we, we, we asked how you got started. What's your most memorable fish on the fly? Yeah. Oh, it was, it was last year. And I think it was in July. Yeah. July. Uh, it was, I fought this fish for 43 minutes. <laughs> oh man. No lie. And there, I, I had a witness with, with me. First, first 15 minutes was trying to get out of structure. And I still, I, I'm just amazed that this thing, I, I still netted this thing. It went on a structure for, I mean, it was just working it out of there and raising up trees, going on, getting your fly lines under the twigs and getting those things out under branches. And, and it still ran. This thing just never stopped. What was it? It was a carp. It was a carp. It was, it was a 31-inch carp. Mm -hmm. But it was the strongest carp I've ever caught. <laughs> I was like, Jesus, this thing kept on going and going. And this was on a six-weight glass, fiberglass. Mm -hmm. Kept on reeling it. It just keeps on screaming the reel, just dragging, yeah. dragging, dragging. 43 minutes. That's awesome. I have to show you the video. Um, a next question is, go-to flies for the guad. There's not like a one magical fly. Um, there's rotation of flies that I use. Mm -hmm. So besides your junk flies that you always hear about, your you know your egg and your worm, mm -hmm. I use um, for your nymphing, and you probably can use this on on, on regular um, uh, indicator um, Frenchie. Yep, I like the Frenchie. Mm -hmm. Seeing um, your Frenchies are what got me tying up my own for the quad too. And yeah, yeah, that's yeah, it's easy, right? And it's a what I consider it's guide flies. You don't have to make it pretty. No. They just mm -hmm. eat it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. As long as it's loud and crazy, they yeah. like it. Yeah. And it half looks like something livable, a creature. They'll mm -hmm. eat it. And uh, the other one I like is the RS2s. Yeah. So if, if you're seeing trouts emerging and hitting top, if you put something like an RS2 or B, uh, B, BWO, mm -hmm. they'll hit it. Especially, I hit it on a swing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Because because it looks like it's emerging up. Yeah, and it's that's pulling it. up a little bit. Dude, that's there's so many times that they hit on the swing as it's going up, mm -hmm. as as I'm going to my last of my drift. Yeah. I, I think I get so impatient. I always end up casting before my swing completes. Yeah, know? let that swing complete, man. Because once yeah. it starts raising up, they'll they'll hit it. Yeah. The other thing about letting your swing complete too is you have that nice easy water load to reset your cast. Yeah. Whereas if it's kind of at a weird angle, you might have to do one false cast to get it out there. Yeah. Um, I like using that tension. Yeah. Um, what what advice would you have for people on the quad when it's really pressured? And the fish, you're having a hard time getting fish to eat. If they're pressured, they like smaller flies. Yeah. Yeah. 
uh, go smaller. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's or just go somewhere else. Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of that's what I do. Yeah, <laughs> go a different day. Yeah, go somewhere else. yeah. It just, might be. It might just be the hole you're fishing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um. Uh, Corey asked, I want to know where to find them, not hot spotting, but how to go about finding their habitats of what? Of carp. Carp. Of oh. carp. Man, carp's everywhere. I mean, you know, that's what's great about carp. Yeah, but I'll say, Sorry. so I'll go on the, I'll go on the upper quad and there will be sections that are loaded with carp and then sections where I won't see a carp. So what's different in the water that's loaded with carp and the sections where you might not see that many? I think, first of all, um, I look for areas with some flats because I know that they like warm water. Mm-hmm. And so when the sun's out and they're, you know, wanting to get a little warmth, they go on those flats a little bit more yeah. or, or more shallow water. Mm-hmm. And that's why you see them in um, in weeds and, and uh, digging under the weeds and stuff because it's shallow water and it's warmer. So they're more apt to come out to, to hit those areas. Now, the time that they're going deep, it's when it's cold like this. Because deeper water holds warmer water at the bottom. So they're hunkered down. But if you have a couple of days of rising temperature, they're coming out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like this weekend. I, w- I went out this weekend and got some pretty good ones. Yeah, You can also count the number of sharpened carts in the river too <laughs> yeah. what's what's the shopping cart to carp ratio you're looking for that's in houston three to one three to one three to one three, to one. <laughs> three shopping carts to one, one carp houston bio man <laughs> the houston bios will have those um this is i think is an interesting question something we haven't talked about on the podcast but what are the perceptions and arguments for non-native carp as an ecological asset or not <clears throat> And this is something... Um, well, they're all non-native, right? Yeah. 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 They yeah. were brought here in the late 1800s. So As a food source, right? As a food source, yeah. But here's the thing. I guess you really look at it. I'm not sure they're, they're considered that invasive anymore. They're naturalized. That's what I've heard. Okay, so I'm just going to play... I'm going to play devil's advocate. Yeah. I've heard that argument, but only by carp anglers. So... You've heard what that they that, are. that they're naturalized. So well, do they destroy uh, habitat or destroy other fish populations I, that I, are I, native? I, because I, if they do, then I would say they're not naturalized. But it's weird because if I they don't, like, then it's like a non-issue. I feel like they eat things that nothing else is eating. Yeah, mm-hmm. they eat little nymphs at the bottom. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, nothing else is digging in the dirt. I mean, maybe catfish, but even then, not really. Yeah, my my only like I've heard that argument, and I and I've even you know seen where Texas Parks and Wildlife considers them naturalized and not invasive, but I've only ever seen a carp angler making that argument. So I'm just wondering if there's another argument out there. Um, well, I mean, there's still people like you said who well, toss it could them just up. be that carp what? anglers I mean, are the only ones passionate enough to mm-hmm. speak care about, about it. it. Yeah. Browns are invasive, right? Yeah, browns are invasive. Mm-hmm. There's no browns in North America. Yeah. Right. right? They've been here, what, almost just as long? Yeah. It's and and um, Florida large bass is invasive. Or the peacock bass, right? The peacock bass. No. Florida bass. I mean, oh. It, yeah. Okay. Like a largemouth? Yeah. There's Florida strains of those here. Mm-hmm. So... No, well, even on a, a hunting side of things, axes aren't supposed to be here, but we still all love axes mm-hmm. deer. Yeah. 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 
No, no, I, I agree. Um, I think the other side of that argument, too, is carp in a lot of places that other fish couldn't live. So it gives you an opportunity yep. to fish for something. Right. They may not be, quote, unquote, native, but like Houston bios uh, or like the river walk where the water may not be as clean and can't, you know, support a super healthy bass or panfish population, you can definitely find tons of carp. Yeah. yeah. And they're fun. Mm-hmm. I mean, God, man. There's nothing that tugs like that in freshwater except for a few of those species. That's readily available. Yeah. I mean, it's just fun. Mm-hmm. Odom, you remember the first time we met? I do. What happened? I tied flies. You tied flies? Yeah, you yeah. came to a fly tying class. Yeah. So here, here's a story. Uh, Landon was working at the shop in, uh, in Austin. Austin, right? Mm-hmm. I brought my son with me on a Saturday morning, I think, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to learn how to tie my own flies. And there happened to be a class uh, that Landon was uh, holding um, in, in that shop. And I brought Ethan with me, my son. And we sat there and tied woolly buggers. Like maybe a couple? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, probably was, two. Yeah. Like, yeah. So I'm like, okay. And now you're a fly tying machine. You tie flies more than I do. The, know, the, the student becomes the master <laughs> yeah, and the right, master man. becomes the student. There. Yeah. There you go, man. Confucius says. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite fly to tie? Uh, well, lately it's been um, the scorpion by uh, uh, Chase. Chase. Yeah. yeah. I just like it. It's very simple, easy. It catches carp. Yeah. Scorpion is the one with a little bit of foam. Yeah, Not, in the body. It doesn't have the... Um, Oh, what is it? The little kink in it, right? The little no. Uh, so that's the um, articulated damsel. Articulated, that's what. And, and I tie those too. I love those. Yeah. Uh, sometimes those are a little too big for carp, and gotcha. so it spooks them. Like last last weekend, man, dude, I w- I used that, and that's like my favorite fly, right? One of my favorite flies, and I could I, six carp rejected me. <laughs> as soon as I put on something smaller. The next one, boom. Really? Next one, boom. Next yeah. one, boom. I got three, and then mm-hmm. it's time to go home. Do you have a carp color preference? Because I know uh, a lot of guys I talk to, they're like, I only fish rust. I only fish rust. And then another guy will be like, I only fish olive. So I like, I know that you can catch them on olive and rust. Yeah. But do you have like a, a color preference that? Most of the time, I like black and brown with, with some orange rust in it. Mm-hmm. But then there's days that I do like, this thing I call the mellow yellow edition and it's yellow. It's, it's like gaudy. It's like you're nymphing for carp. Yeah. It's gaudy. I mean, it's mm-hmm. just, it's just, I mean, it's yellow and that works. All yeah. of works too. Mm-hmm. I like that. Um, but predominantly more, I would say neutral colors, brown, black, dark rust, not paint. I tied some, but it's like I'd never have the balls to use. It. <laughs> <laughs> it's just I'm afraid. Yeah, the, the, yeah, when you're having your best carp day ever, then tie it on. Yeah, the I was like, like, let me catch mine first, and then we'll yeah, go. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 So uh, that's all the questions that we got in. We're going to move right into uh, Wood Tip phone call. So Wood Tip uh, um, called in this week, and I haven't listened to it yet. So let's see what it says. Morning, fellas. This here Wood Tip Pickle Chip. Yeah, giving you guys another call. Um, down here, uh, a little bit, a little bit early this morning, but uh, down here with my pump jack. 
and uh, just enjoying the morning. I got me some coffee, okay, to put some bourbon in it, okay, no bowling, because, you know, you got to put some bourbon in it just to get things going, all right, you know, get things moving in the morning, okay, but uh, anyhow, we're, we're deer hunting, we're deer hunting, and uh, we've got, got some fellas down here, uh, they're chasing some, chasing some horns, okay, they done brought their lady friends, too, so, you know, we got the whole couples thing for the deer hunt, you know, down here, but we got a couple weeks left. All right, then we're gonna hit it hard with the pigs. You know what I'm saying? We gotta get after them. You gotta get them South Texas groceries, okay? You know what I'm saying? It's a year-round ordeal, okay? You know, we gotta get after it, no fooling, you know? So we're gonna do that, you know? And in a couple of weeks, we'll get we'll get started with the pigs again, you know, real hard and heavy, you know? And, uh, anyway, something y'all put on the back burner and having y'all down here for a little hog hunt, you know what I'm saying? You know, think about that, you know? Think about that, you know? You can bring your knives, okay? I mean, you know, they. <laughs> They, they ain't from Texaco, so I don't know if they're going to be worth a damn, but, you know, we'll give it a go. You know, we'll give it a go, but uh, anyhow. Yeah, I appreciate you boys putting me on that call the other day, you know, on the, on the radio, on the podcast. You know, it's, it's uh, you know, you boys are all right, okay? You know what I'm saying? You're all right. My lady friend, she makes fun of me. She's like, you know, them boys must not have anything going on, you know. <laughs> but no South Texas Ranger on the radio, you know, but uh, anyhow. Uh, so yeah, that's pretty much it for me, you know. So uh, I'm gonna shut up, you know. I'm gonna listen to these pump jacks a little bit longer and just kind of get woke up this morning, you know what I'm saying? So a couple hours of sleep, uh, do a boy right, you know what I'm saying? So anyhow, this air wood tip pickle chip, and y'all have a good week. <laughs> oh, yeah. Pump jacks in the background and everything. <laughs> Man's oh, making man. a living. <laughs> He did invite us on a hog hunt. No fooling. No fooling. You can bring our knives and everything. Yeah. It ain't Texaco, but. (laughs) Texaco. (laughs) Oh, man. All right. Let's let's get into our articles for this week. Hey, Ian, you want to go first? Yes. Okay. I think. We're going to play your sound bite, and we'll give you a clue because Ian told us he cannot hear it. Yeah. Wait, what? <laughs> you not being able to hear the sound bites makes for the funniest exchanges. Wait, what? <laughs> Wait, what? It was like right in the middle of the hog. <laughs> the bear. The bear. Yeah, the bear. The bear. Wait, what? Wait, what? <laughs> We're gonna give you a heads up from now on, Ian, before we play your sound cl- your sound bite. Are you there? Yeah. Okay. You're okay. good to go. You're good to go for your article. We're we're all clear. Oh, <laughs> dude, this is sorry, <laughs> listeners. Um, okay, scientists. This is from SmithsonianMag.com. So probably a credible source. Um, who knows? Scientists report first instances of dwarf giraffes. So. Two individuals spotted in the wild seem to have classic long necks, but unusually short, stubby legs. Um, This was published January 8th, 2021. In 2015, a team of conservation biologists were conducting regular surveys in Uganda's Murchison Falls National Park when they came across an adult Nubian giraffe um, that didn't quite fit the typical attributes. So... Uh, it was only nine feet tall, so nine foot four inches tall, which is several feet shorter than the average adult, which typically grows 
to about 16 feet. Michael Brown, a conservation scientist, said it was unbelievable, or he said he was in disbelief. So basically, I'm just going to summarize this. They found a bunch of really short giraffes and were like, what? (laughs) And they thought that they were like uh, adolescent giraffes, but they weren't. So, like, the shortest one they found was, like, eight foot five. Like, in your, I don't know what y'all's house is, but you probably have, like, eight foot ceilings. So, imagine a giraffe, like, that tall compared to, like, 16 feet. Yeah, most, yeah, you have 10 foot. Most apartments are, it should be a nine foot plate. I don't know. My home was built in the 80s. No matter what, no matter what. Regardless, we can say a baby or a, a dwarf giraffe in my apartment. Yes. Yeah, why are we talking about uh, keeping alligators last week and we could have been talking about keeping giraffes? Right. Dude. No, we were talking exactly. about not keeping alligators. Oh, yeah. Now not it's what lie. you can keep. When you first said dwarf giraffes, I thought you were going to say their necks were short and not their legs. Like long long legs, short legs. Well, they men. said that. Like a horse. Like a horse yeah. colored giraffe. No, some, a giraffe Some guy horse. just got confused. It's <laughs> 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 just a horse. <laughs> <laughs> giraffe's got a short neck over there. <laughs> yeah, basically they tried to interview the scientists and we're they're like, we have no idea why they're so short. Um they think it's skeletal dysplasia, um, which is uh small bones and brittle bones. So now are they um, trying to put the two short leg giraffes together? To make more short leg giraffes, <laughs> like breed them. Yeah, like we can have like a whole like, new are they breed to of nature. Breed them? Yeah, have a whole new like, section of animals. I don't out think there. that guy's gonna have a choice. <laughs> I mean, like it's a very small pool. Wait, Zach, Zach, you got a short neck. Got a short neck. Yeah. Yeah. It's a small pool to choose from. <laughs> Zach, like, are they trying to breed like Doctor Doolittle small giraffes? Is that what you're saying? Oh, ooh. That'd be neat. That's pretty neat. That's pretty neat. <laughs> yeah. They basically this article is not that good. Sorry, uh Rasha Aridi who wrote this, but there's not, not that much detail. I'm enjoying this they article. Found yeah, a lot of really short it. giraffes. Yeah. Well, thanks, Ian. Uh, uh oh, are you got more? That's all I've that's got. All, okay. No, just they found giraffes that could fit in your house. The end. <laughs> <laughs> I got to say, uh, your articles make for the best podcast thumbnails. When I run through all the po- possible thumbnails and titles of the podcast, um, you know, Ian's articles generally. Like they found tiny giraffes. Yeah. Is going to be the you, best. Yeah. Giraffes as pets is a new fad or something like that. <laughs> That's <laughs> because I pick, I pick ratchet articles. <laughs> so, not that home. this one's ratchet. But. All right. You're up. Uh, no, not me. Well, Cliff, are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. All right. Everybody be prepared. Cliff's cool conservation corner. C4. <laughs> All right, so mine comes with a little personal story, which is why I chose to do my article on this, and it's about black bears. Okay. So this week, or I guess it was the end of last week, my dad texted me, and at first I thought he was kidding. He said that there was a bear uh, on the road that he lives in on. 
And he was saying, oh, it's going to come to the theater, da-da-da-da-da-da-da, and all this other stuff. And he's been joking about it because I set up this feeder for Christmas, and all I've had come up to it are squirrels, rabbits, birds, like small stuff, nothing good. Giraffes. Yeah, not even a giraffe. <laughs> I'd be ecstatic for that. Um. But he told me that there was a bear. And at first, I, I kind of indulged him. I was like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, but not believing it. And then he sends me a video of this bear running down his road as someone's following it in their car. And I'm like, oh, wow. There's a bear. There's a bear there. <laughs> and most people are like, so what? There's a bear. Well, in my part or the part of Georgia I'm from, there hasn't ever been bears. Like, it's not bear country. North Georgia has bears, but Carroll County didn't have bears. Yeah. So, as I started pulling up some articles and stuff uh, about bears in Georgia. So, I have my article this week is actually two. One about bears in Texas and one about bears in Georgia. And there's a lot of similarities in them, but not too much but uh social circle george this article came from uh wsb tv which is a premier news source kind of like kins or fox or something like that here in san antonio um and they had received a bear video as well from paulding county which is one county over from where i'm from Mm mm-hmm and so I was doing a little bit more research, and then someone in Social Circle wrote an article, which is where this article that I'm first going to go over is from, and it's dated back in April of 2020. Um, but sightings of bear, Georgia's native bear, black bear typically begin to pick up in the spring, as most people would expect, um, and are expect expected to increase across the state according to Georgia's Department of National Natural Resources Wildlife Research Division. Uh, flipping pages. Uh, the black bear is a symbol of Georgia's natural diversity. Only The only bear found in the state and is a conservation success, success story in of itself. The species was nearly eradicated in Georgia in the 1930s due to unregulated uh, market hunting, illegal harvest, including the killing of bears as vermin and large-scale habitat loss. Uh, Sound wildlife management practices have restored Georgia's black bear to a thriving population estimated to be about 4,100 bears statewide, which doesn't sound like a lot, but I guess once you take into their range it gets a lot more. So now going over to a Texas article on black bears. Uh, Again, we don't think of black bears in like San Antonio or even really that much of Texas, unless you're talking about like West Texas or so. Or the bear king. Or the bear king of Marble Falls. Don't forget. (laughs) Rip. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Wait, is the bear king like that Bigfoot thing? Yeah, the Bigfoot thing from Marble Falls. <clears throat> it's from like episode one, Ian. 
Yeah. Uh, black bear conservation <laughs> efforts in uh, bordering states. And again, this is back in Texas. Black bear conservation efforts in bordering states for the last 20 years have been extremely successful in restoring the iconic species uh, within its historic range. The Louisiana black bear, which is no longer a federally listed, no longer federally listed as a threatened species, uh, bear populations in Oklahoma, Arkansas have inc- have also increased and expanded due to habitat conservation and bear management efforts in those states. Texas offers state protected status as a threatened species for black bears. Uh, and it is against the law to hunt, harass, or kill them. The state does not actively, but the state does not actively uh, manage for bears. So they're not doing anything for bears, but they're like, don't mess with them. Really? Yeah. I would not have guessed they weren't doing anything for them. The state as itself is not, according to this article, which was, that's the day printed, not. Do you know about what, like the national park themselves? Are they doing anything? I don't think so. Because that's like where a large chunk of Amara is in Big Ben, I believe. So, I have, it came with a map. Uh, I know our listeners can't see it, but it's confirmed bear black bear sightings from 2000 to 2020. Mm-hmm. So, out of how many counties are there in Texas? 159 or oh, something? No. But have- out of all the counties in the state of Texas, there are 39 counties with black bears. Oh, wow. Okay. There I would are, not have thought that, honestly. No. There are 31 counties with confirmed bear reports. Again, that's 37 total. But of those 37, 31 <laughs> with confirmed black bear reports. And six counties with a confirmed breeding population. And all those are around the Big Bend area. Okay. Um. But yeah, here's the map. As you can see in the map, it's all predominantly West Texas with a couple of spots over near Arkansas and Oklahoma. Where those okay, touch. that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, but none in San Antonio. No. Uh, none in Bear County, none in Travis County. Wow. Um, so, like I said, with the Georgia article being 4,100 in that article as the stated number of species... Um, and the bear population in Texas, them not managing for it, but we're seeing more and more in the state. Male home ranges for the average black bear, how many acres do you think? Home ranges for a in male acres. black bear. Okay. <clears throat> I'm going to guess like 400. Acres? Yeah. I'll say 2,000. Oh, I was yeah. going to say. Maybe more. I was going to say four to 6,000. Two or twenty thousand anchors. Okay. Almost close. Is the average <laughs> price is right rules? Yeah, <laughs> just a zero short. Yeah. <laughs> is the average range for a adult male black bear? Females. How many acres do you think a female travel and lives in? Eighty thousand. It's a female. So think about it. They're not prowling for. Uh-uh. They got to keep mating. the cubs. I'm going to say it's Eight. ridiculously small, or you wouldn't be asking. I'm going to say 2,000. 800. 3,000. I'm going to stick with my 2,000. Landon is the closest. The average female range is 5,000 Like I said, 5,000. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they I, I, I get like an acre 
isn't like a huge piece of parcel, mm-hmm. but that's still a, a pretty wide range. And you can think like just because it's in one area, 20,000 acres today, it can roam because clearly these bears in, in Georgia, for instance, I'm, I'm assuming they're having to be coming down from Tennessee, uh, South Carolina, North Carolina, and the North Georgia mountain areas, yeah, which are a good two and a half hours from where I'm from. Clearly, you're covering 20,000 acres there. Do you think, and this is purely speculating, but do you think the fires from like the Appalachian mountains it could, it could pushed have, any of them down? It could have pushed them. Like yeah. that, the Gatlinburg fires? Yeah. 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 It, it probably did push some down and made them extend farther, but... I think that's only a piece of it. I just think that we're seeing a resurgence yeah. in bear populations and good habitat management and good. Uh, Man, just I see being those stewards. all the time when I was mm-hmm. I went to school in Tennessee, mm-hmm. Knoxville, and so the Smoky Mountains. Uh, I visit them almost every other weekend. Yeah. And they're just there, man. You go, you went to UT? Beautiful. Yeah. Do you ever kick yourself for not fly fishing back then? <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I do but because here's the thing i if i did though i don't think i would have graduated because i you know how i am yeah. right? hey landon yeah you, you know yeah. me the longest you, you'd be a trout bum out <laughs> uh-huh. there i would be Tennessee. like <laughs> so hey, hey because uh, i went to school up in the north georgia mountains my freshman year of college yeah and i did not fly fish at all you think at about the all the brookies that are yeah, up there and oh, yeah. like, it was prime you get yeah, out of class and go straight there yeah, yeah. yeah no i wouldn't even go to class <laughs> yeah. i skipped it <laughs> 3 a.m. drive down. Odom, there's a rumor of you that's been floating around. And that rumor is that you don't have a job. (laughs) And that all you do is fish. So I'm going to call you out. And uh, uh, I'm just going to call you out on that rumor and and see how you respond. Yeah, that's not true. I just... I just... I do quite a bit fishing. I do defend you when people ask, is all Odom does fish? Is that all he does? Because I I say Odom is a really good photographer, and he takes a lot of pictures when he goes out. And so Monday through Friday is I'm going to post a picture from the last weekend. And then I was like, I know he at least fishes one day a weekend. Yeah. Well, yeah, I do sometimes too. Depends. But then if I get um, uh, out of work early, so if it's like four, I, I I can go fish during that time for a couple of hours yeah. in summertime because what? Yeah, because it doesn't get dark until seven thirty eight, right? No, yeah. that's so, now. Yeah, uh, yeah. In the summer, it's not getting dark till nine, ten o'clock. Yeah. It seems so, like. Yeah. So, so you get out early. I mean, mm-hmm. you could do it, but yeah, I, I fish at least two days a week, probably. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, I, I work like anybody else. Now, who? How do you think I afford some of those equipment? It's like. So yeah. working to fish. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But no, I mean, it's, yeah, I do a lot of photography when I'm out. I, I do not just only fish photography, but also landscape photography. And um, sometimes I, sometimes I don't post them. And so some days I've said, oh, you know what? I didn't post that photo and, and I like that photo. I'm going to post it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Doesn't For mean sure. I'm out that day. Yeah. Not yeah. all the time. Yeah. yeah. You don't have to be out to post. Yeah. Yeah. I'll post a picture from three years ago. No shame. <laughs> I'll be like, oh, this looks good. Yeah, I got some new followers and then I'll since say, then. I'll say, went fishing this weekend. Yeah, hashtag good living. <laughs> good clean living. <laughs> good living. Oh, man. Uh, you ready for yours? I'm ready. All right, here we go. 
All right. For this week's segment of On Patrol, this was a story recommended by Cliff. Um, I don't even know how to say it. Armistice? Armistice. I was going to say I was going to say something different. Armistice Day. The great Armistice Day storm of 1940. So what Armistice Day is, is the day that World War One ended. And it's normally held as a celebration, but this storm happened on Armistice, Armistice day. day. Yeah. Uh, of 1940. Uh, it was November 11th, 1940. Thousands of hunters had gathered... Um, across the Great Plains Upper Midwest, including Iowa, Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Illinois. And that fall, it had been unreasonably warm, um, you know, compared to other years. And uh, the duck hunters uh, specifically, uh, you know, saw some changing weather coming, uh, some particularly colder weather, and they thought it was going to be a great day to go out and shoot some ducks. There's going to be some cold weather, push some ducks. Because normally you look for cold fronts to push down because the way that they move is as things freeze over in the north, they start going farther south so that they can still have food sources. Mm -hmm. So they were looking forward to this uh, cold weather. Which is why, like, this year a lot of people have said, like, it's not been, for, like, the south area, has not been that great for ducks and waterfowl. Like, you, I've heard a lot of waterfowlers complaining that there's just no birds and when you talk to them you start to discover that areas like the dakotas there's still open water there it hasn't frozen over so they're just gathering and staying mm. in the dakotas because they don't have to go anywhere mm-hmm. gotcha. also there is extremely low pressure in canada this year because they closed it because mm. of covid oh, oh interesting okay. huh so uh, a bunch of duck hunters went out to hunt on this uh cooling weather day um and back then they didn't have the you know seven day forecast availability that we have today um the pleasant weather didn't last long um for the west a storm was brewing a storm that earlier had hit the pacific north northwest with near hurricane force gusts um and the storms normally weaken as they cross the rockies but this storm did not instead it tapped moisture from the gulf of mexico and cold air lurking over canada and the two combined into an explosive pattern um winds picked up and it started raining um and around noon a blizzard began making its way across upper mississippi um and it's uh, a pretty crazy blizzard and unfortunately advertisements printed on this i couldn't get them to go away but um thousands of duck hunters uh were out hunting and uh, the hunting got better and better so a lot of hunters uh were staying out to get to get to shoot their limit and back then the limits were much much higher than today and so um duck hunters were like the duck hunting is great why would we leave um but the same time the blizzard was rolling in um and uh, the weather, as it was worsening, was ignored. Four o'clock rolled around. The hunters discovered it was too rough to get back to the mainland. A lot of had taken boats out um, to get to where they were duck hunting. And as you can imagine, boat technology back then wasn't what it was today. And, you know, people couldn't start their boats. Um, the water started rising immensely, so they couldn't get back up channels that they were coming down. Um, some tried 
um, and managed to make it ashore on their own, you know, by foot, just by toughing it out. And, uh, and some others couldn't do anything, and they looked back on a river that had five-foot waves. Um, hundreds didn't make it home the night of the blizzard, and um, people, you know, tried to go to the high ground where they wouldn't get snowed in. They tried to make fires, but with the snow being so intense, it's hard to gather firewood. They would huddle together. They would sleep in boats. Um, and others just constantly walked to keep themselves from freezing. And you also got to think this is in a time where, you know, the cold weather, you know, clothing that we have today, that's, that's really good. They didn't have, you know, there were no neoprene waders. There were no waders, period. Um, and so you're wet, you're cold. There's nothing really you can do. You can't start a fire. There's nothing you really can do. Um, and overnight the wind chill temperature dropped as low as minus 55 degrees. Yeah. It was dead. (laughs) (laughs) Um, the next day, more than 50 duck hunters were found dead by rescuers more than 50 more than 50 and i've wow. heard numbers the next day the next day so anything else after i've heard first day isn't counted in i've heard um as high of numbers as 100 duck hunters died because of the blizzard they just couldn't find them for a day or for a few days for yeah for a few <laughs> days or some people just were not found oh man um and they were basically like it just says that they were recovered everywhere um, and it is considered as one of the deadliest winter storms ever to hit this country. That's crazy. Yeah. I thought that was a fascinating story. I found a couple of different articles. What state's that? It was all Around. across the Midwest. Is it? Okay. Um, this article was by, uh, I got it on, uh, Ducks Unlimited. So okay. a, a lot of, <clears throat> all right. <clears throat> It's kind of held, and I don't know how true this is, but a lot of like the duck hunters who I've talked to in the past, they almost hold it as like a a reverent day. I don't want to say a holiday, but you know how like we think of, and I know this is kind of conflating apples to oranges, is, but how we think of like nine eleven as like a day of memorial and a yeah. day of mourning. A lot of duck hunters hold that day too as like there's a special place for like it on that day. They're thinking about it. Correct. Yeah. Because it was such a, a deadly and just wild event. Yeah. And affected it's specifically duck just, hunters. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And waterfowl hunters. Yeah. And so many. I Like, you told me about this. You were like, go check out this Armistice Day storm. I was like, okay, cool. You know, some people probably, you know, died. Otherwise, you wouldn't have been telling me to look at it. Um, but I didn't think 50 yeah. to 100. So, I first heard about this story on my first guided hunt that I ever went on uh, and the the guides and the blinds were telling us about it and I always thought it was fascinating but I never took the time to like go back and like research it or anything like that Look into it. and then uh, for some reason it popped up in my head last week uh and I was like, oh, I got to look into this more, look into this more. And then I told you to look into it and that I thought it'd be a good story. Yeah. I wonder if there's a documentary on that. You could make a good 30, 45 uh, there, I think there is. Documentary on it. I'd really be could. Interesting. Yeah, I'll watch I'd, it. I'd be interested in There was another it. article I thought I told you about, but I must not have. And I don't remember what it was now. Oh, I, yeah. I don't know. that Nothing's ringing a bell there. But... 
That's my story. Zach, cool. Creature Watch. All right, here we go. Ooh, spooky. <laughs> oh, before you start, <laughs> yeah, uh, did you? I tagged you on a video on Facebook. Did you see it? No. Oh, okay. Well, they uh, released a panther, uh, Florida black panther. I did see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't black though. It was uh, brown. It was brown. Yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't as black as I thought it would be. But uh, I, after our creature watch from last week, <clears> and it being <throat> on my mind is probably the most uh, realistic one. One. That we've listened to. We'll just wait for today's. Oh, okay. All right. I'm all ears. So, Chupacabra. Uh, Will. San Antonio Zoo. Yeah. <laughs> or County Fair. Or County Fair. County Fair. <laughs> County Dude, Fair. I love the zoo. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's where you find all your short giraffes, huh, Ian? Dude, I'm get, man, if you could buy one, how cool would that be? Like, where's <laughs> San Antonio Zoo buys one of those giraffes is like, Headliner for the zoo. We got a short giraffe. <laughs> come one, come all. It looks like a horse, but it's not. <laughs> they actually just bought a horse. It looks like you painted dots on it. <laughs> you can't just paint a horse orange. <laughs> Can you imagine? You wouldn't even need a trailer. No, no, just put it in the back of the pickup. Oh man! So today I'm bringing you the story of the Loveland Frog. Loveland Frog. Yes. Interesting. Also known as the was this one that our listener sent in? It was. Okay. Yeah. So I'm still working my way through that list. It was great. Okay. Uh, also known as the Frog Man or the Lizard Man. So it was first found in what do you guess? Loveland. <laughs> it was in Loveland, <laughs> Loveland, Ohio. But when? When do you think the first sighting was? 1985. Okay. Uh, 1970. Okay. 1952. Okay. And Cliff... Uh, I'll just say 1902 for Cliff. There you go. Cliff's very wrong. <laughs> 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 uh, you were very close. It is 1955. Mm. Uh, and many say that it was also in the month of May. So we're coming up on the anniversary. Oh. Oh. Um, dude, that's four months away. <laughs> <laughs> it's not you gotta, you gotta start planning now. Okay? It's like an anniversary. You gotta rent a vacation uh, yeah. house. You know, you gotta make some dinner my reservations. Put on my Outlook calendar. Guys, take, with COVID, everything takes an extra two months yeah. to plan. Okay? You gotta take PTO. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You gotta pack. Dude, I mean, Zach, that is true. <laughs> you have to plan to go to the grocery store. It's not just COVID. going and getting it done. <laughs> Uh, so there are three original stories. Um, all of them start the exact same from the original sighting. It was a businessman or salesman. They're not really sure. Traveling on an old road. It was unnamed in the middle of the night. The first story says that he found three creatures, about three to four feet tall. They were all on their hind legs. You might think, oh, it's children, but it was like two o'clock in the morning. So it's probably giraffes. not children. Right? Or giraffe. <laughs> right? It was actually just a six-legged giraffe. <laughs> Uh, he also noted they had leathery skin and they had frog faces, so probably not children. Um, it could be an ugly kid. A good. Uh, so that's the first story. The second story is similar, except instead of on the side of the road, they were either on top of or under the bridge. Hmm. So the third story is... Uh, I think the best one, and that is as he found them under the bridge, he started to watch them for a bit. 
and they start communicating in this like weird croak like voice to each other. Um, he can't really make it out. And then all of a sudden they notice him and one of them holds up a hand and it has a wand in it and it speaks in the croak like voice. And all of a sudden these orange sparks come out, scaring the man and he runs away. I'd do the same thing. Yeah. Like, if y'all were with me, you'll see dust. <laughs> Some dude with the orange wand. Yeah. Especially if they're frog people. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Odomel. I, I can't even wrap my hand around this. Like, like a Harry Potter wand. Yeah. Like a magician's it, wand. And this is Instead a, of flowers popping out, it was orange sparks. Orange sparks. Yeah. He, a croak, a croaky frog man casted some sort of spell on this salesman. Okay. And the salesman Wait, on a saw sale? it all three Wait, on times. a sales guy? No, no, no. So they don't, they don't know which story is true. There are three true first sightings, and all three of these might be correct. Okay. Wait, Zach, on a salesman? On a salesman or a businessman. I think it's definitely really sure. number three that's correct, but go Dude, on. Dude, I work... three is my favorite. I, I work in sales, and I could totally see something like that going down with some of my customers. Man. You see him as a frog person? This episode is brought to you by Cox Contour TV. Sometimes it's hard to decide what to watch, but Cox Contour TV helps make that decision easier. Enjoy live TV, on-demand programs, DVR recordings, and music all in one place. And only with the sound of your voice with the Contour Voice Remote. Plus, catch the golf and basketball action you've been waiting for on the Contour Sports app. Learn more at coxcox.com slash contour. How do you explain the unexplainable? That warmth that fills you up from the inside out? Does it come from the air, the sea? the sun, the people? Or is it something that can't be put into words? Because Aruba is more than a beautiful island. It's a feeling that brings out a happier, sunnier you. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your next visit at aruba.com. Like, I mean... <laughs> so <laughs> okay. Um, so... All the stories kind of died down until 1972 when a Loveland police officer was out just making his rounds and he also saw a four-foot humanoid frog-like creature. And so he was scared to death. He ran immediately to the station and told everybody there. So, of course, then we get our big, like, protector officer who's like, I got this, no problem at all. And he goes on the hunt. So he's on this hunt for three weeks. He doesn't sleep for some days, doesn't eat for some days, and he's out trying to kill this frogman. So finally, he call he says he shoots something, and he is like super excited, and he calls the radio station and he calls the police officer, police station, and says, "I did it, I did it." And he loads up this creature into the back of his car. He takes it into the station and he opens it up, and he's like, "Hey guys, come look what I got." Everyone runs out, and they're like. Dude, that's just a large iguana without its tail. So, <laughs> so he shot and killed this iguana. How big is that iguana? It was dude? three to four feet, they said. <laughs> three to four feet without a tail, too. Right. So, you know what? I can't blame him. Did he him. have a wand on him? <laughs> that's what we needed. Yeah. Uh, totally believable. Right. <laughs> Um, 
So, uh, Cincinnati folklore expert says that sightings of the Frogman come around kind of like a cycle every, and it's been going on for decades, but it's always like one person sees it and then like there's a cycle of like, oh, I've seen it, I've seen it, I've seen it. And he says it's been going on for years. Is that only to Ohio? Yep. Frogman Loveland Frog is just kind of right there in Ohio. Mm. So, uh, people around the area will sometimes be found worshipping the creature, uh, making croaking noises, painting their faces, and hopping around wearing costumes. That's Dude, a we festival we need to go to. On the quad. <laughs> <laughs> 6 a.m. in the morning when those truck guys are out there. <laughs> <laughs> Just, <like> yeah. <laughs> That's how we get back the river. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's how you get your spot. <laughs> exactly. That's a festival we need to go to. Right? Yeah, the Frogman of Loveland. Oh, man. Oh, dude, I love that. Uh, the most recent sighting was in 2016. Two teens were out playing Pokemon Go. This <laughs> 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 story couldn't get any better. And when they saw a large frogman get up on its hind legs and start running at them. Were they looking at their uh, tele- their cell phone screen? Yeah. And what Pokemon is... It won't catch it. I imagine it was like a polywag. A polywag or yeah. something. Yeah, which for the, those who don't know Pokemon, it looks kind of like a tadpole. So, yeah. there you go. Um, it's funny, you could actually find the news story where the two teens were telling the news anchor what they found while they were playing Pokemon Go. So that's pretty Dude, funny. I bet that I bet that interview was epic. It's hilarious. Um, <laughs> and, and what? Yeah. However, after investigating, it was determined that an older student was in a costume trying to scare Pokemon masters. So. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's what I told you, gosh. man. Do it in the quad. Watch a spot. My gosh. And uh, I will end on this note that there is also a uh, Frogman musical. Called Hot Damn, it's the Loveland Frog, and um, it's just Frog, not Frog Man. The Loveland Frog, Frog Man, Lizard Man, hmm. all three are acceptable. Loveland Frog gives the location. Though. It's a musical. Yeah, Hot Damn. Man, we need to watch that musical. I know it's gonna have to have a lot of bourbon. We got we got a full bottle. We got a TV in here too. Oh man, we could do live reactions. <laughs> live reactions to the Frog Band musical. musical, the Loveland Frog. Oh man, that'd be great. So yeah, that's the Loveland Frog. Only if we get one. If we get one listener that says they want to hear our live reaction to the Loveland Frog Man musical, we'll do it. We'll do it. Oh yeah, just send us uh, a message on Instagram or an email. We we would do it. Yeah. You know what? Just thumbs up the podcast. I'll do it then. I don't think Google you can do it. Is it is it available? Is it available for fifty nine ninety nine on Amazon? <laughs> <laughs> Most expensive musical out there. Well, cool. Thanks, uh, Zach. Yeah, that was a good one. Thanks for to our listener who uh, suggested it. That was Those are two great listener suggestions. Here we thought the bucket was almost empty. and No, we're going. Again, and actually that reminds me, if you have ideas or you have ones we have not covered and would love to hear, let us know. I'll do yeah. some research. If you know people who've seen them, I'd love to interview them. Yes, that would be even better. <laughs> yeah, It's you, like when we called the donkey lady. Oh, yeah. I'll put in some work to this. I will interview people and get them on record saying stuff. Thanks, Zach. Yeah. Well, I think... Uh, Oh, hey, Ian, the one thing we forgot to talk about in the intro is me and you went fishing this weekend. Oh. 
Ian? In sleep. Did they call disconnect? No, he's got a he's got unmute. He, hey Ian, you're probably on mute. Yeah. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, now yeah, can. now we can. Okay, perfect. Hey, would you like yeah, to tell no, our we listeners about this would you like to tell uh, our listeners about uh, our uh, fishing trip this weekend? Yeah. Are we going to do a video or you just want to do it on the podcast? No, no. We were talking about doing a video. No, no. I'll do a video too. Um, okay. So Landon and I went fishing this weekend at an undisclosed location um, for trout, stalker trout. Definitely the quad. We definitely went to the quad. Yeah. Hands down. Yeah. Rio Raft Company. Shout out. Um, uh, <laughs> we did not go to the quad. I'm just going to throw that no. out there. But uh, you guys could just left it. You guys can find the spot easily with a little bit of research. So there's uh, spots. <laughs> it was it, it was public land. It was public I, land. The quad and two other spots. Um, <laughs> Let's we can go fight shoulder to shoulder at a park. Yeah. <laughs> Southside Lions Park. Oh yeah. <laughs> Landon outfished me as usual. But we did end up catching a few stalker trout, and we did um, eat them, uh, which, ooh, I can already hear the shame coming from fly fishermen everywhere. Nope, I'm um, proud but, of y'all. Cliff's proud. But, I'm really proud. I'm however, upset but, I didn't get any I will from say, y'all. though, that you guys definitely messed up by not cooking it whole. Yeah, lesson learned. But I've never uh, cooked a whole trout. What, you fillet them? Yeah, yeah. Play them. see, they oh, told me no, that. You got to yeah. do the whole thing. Yeah, you do the whole yeah. fish. Never yeah. done it just before. Pull, just pull, like cut the cut the gills and pull it. And everything yeah. just and falls out. Clean everything out, yep. and then uh, make sure they do have like a bloodline that's along a their spine. Their kidney. When you look in it, yeah. oh yeah, it's a kidney. Yeah, yeah. yeah just scrape it out the spoon. Yep. You're good. Yeah, yep. never cooked a trout uh, like that. So I was just like, I know how to fillet a fish. No, nah, dude, just throw all your seasonings inside and mm-hmm. on the skin. I will say how we cooked it was really good. Oh, bad was it was so good. How to cook it? I did cornmeal. And uh, seasoning mix. I use like a hot pep, hot pepper seasoning, uh, a meat church seasoning. Ooh. Mixed it through all the flays in a Ziploc bag. Shake, 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 shake. Oil in a pan and just threw threw it on. And uh, I like meat church rubs. Yeah, they're good. They're good. Yeah, I like yeah. the guy who sells them. Makes Matt just... Matt something. I forget what his name is. Oh, he's, yeah. he's good. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it turned out really good. The only problem was there was only enough meat for maybe two fish tacos. I mean, we didn't, didn't make fish. We didn't keep the whole fish. So. No, man, they were just small. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Even if we cooked the fish whole, it's not like we would have gotten that much more meat. <laughs> also, I mean, what it was like a were, chicken nugget. Did, did you, uh, you guys, uh, can, I mean, like half a chicken nugget. <laughs> <laughs> you, you guys can go to Ian's Instagram and Ian called out Texas Parks and Wildlife for keeping small, for stocking small <laughs> fish. I know. You know, I saw that. I was like, man, <laughs> put them on blood. He tagged him and everything. Yeah. I was waiting for that repost. I know. It's like, they're doing a service and he is just out here. Hey guys, bigger fish. <laughs> hating on them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh. The best part of the whole experience is like Landon and I are fishing this run and we're fishing up against a ledge and there's, I don't want to give the spot away, but it's probably 30 or 40 feet up. There's some people camping and we're both fishing this run and Landon's doing pretty well and I'm not. And this guy's like, Hey man, like there's a bunch of them schooled up over here and I get all excited and I'm like, all right, cool. And he was like, they're all right there. And I was like, okay. He was on He's the, like, he was on the other side of the river, like a top of. He was on the other side of the river, yeah. And he so was like, he had no, like right a here. straight down view. Mm. 
And his girlfriend were like, oh, you should fish here. And they were like super nice and super cool. They had a straight down like helicopter view. And I was like, awesome. So I'm casting nothing, nothing. He was like, no, they're right there. They're looking at it. Like, I don't know what the issue is. Oh, one grabbed it. And I was like, what? Okay. And we're <laughs> fishing like, two, we're fishing like two fly rigs with indicators. So he goes and gets his rod and he gets, uh, he's fishing conventional with like a treble hook and it gets stuck. And I'm like, here, I'll walk over and help your rod, uh, uh, help your, you get your, uh, hook unstuck on a branch because you spotted these. So I walk over there, dude. And I see probably like six red horse suckers. And I, oh dude, I didn't say anything. I'm, I was like, I think I'm going to head back over here, man. And he was like, all right, good luck, brother. <laughs> and I was like, I have spent the last 35 minutes <laughs> like trout fishing for red horse suckers. <laughs> like, it was so bad, dude. I, like, I, I mean, which you can do, I'm sure. But I think the best part of the Go trip, ahead. Ian, was seeing your wading boots. What's wrong with his wading boots? Oh, my. Dude, boots? come on, man. No, I have, uh, I have like ll bean like duck boots for wading boots and like and like because i'm cheap and like landon makes fun of them all the time because they look really bad and when he takes his boot off and flips it upside down a gallon of water pours oh, out man. yeah you know yeah what i don't know does it get the What's job up? does it get the job done I mean, not really. Landon always <laughs> outfishes me. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to catch some slack, but okay. <laughs> to be honest, like, not really. But I did hook into some. Oh, no, the best part is Landon flies the drone. And, like, I'm so mad we don't have this on video. But I'm fishing and then, like, like, cat, like pop one. Like, and I'm like, did you get that on video? And Landon's like, yes, I just got that. Like, landed it. Perfect. He comes over to help me. We go look at the camera, and he was like, "Oh, it said it was on auto record, but it didn't capture that." And I was like, "Are well, you kidding no, me?" No, Ian, Ian, I haven't checked the memory card yet. It could be on the memory oh. card because the oh. way that it feeds video to the app is not the most accurate. So once I actually pull the memory card and put it in my computer, I will have definitive proof whether I caught that on video or not. But Man, don't get my hopes up. No, no, I'm, I, <laughs> no, I'm just. Kidding. I'm not making promises, but I'm still saying there's a chance. So you're saying there's a chance. Yeah. So and that was cool. I almost flew Landon's drone across the road too because I didn't know how to control it. So. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, we got some cool was a drone good... footage, and I'm thinking about putting a little short little video together for the YouTube. But Cliff, yeah. when I was killing the fish, I was thinking thinking about you i was like cliff that sounds really bad but i was like cliff Cowart. this is cliff coward would appreciate this because he's all about you know get your own food did you guys so. just pop on a rock just real fast clubbing it to the brain clubbing it mm, yeah i just club it no we actually okay the pg part i don't know if we have any vegan listeners no man we grabbed it and like put the knife like we didn't club it dude we put the knife like through the brain like straight up like like real quick well hopefully we're like, you guys weren't filleting it when it's still flopping no no we killed uh, him first there you go no we killed him first and then threw him back in the bucket and then i had to go pour out the bucket next remember that landon there's these girls like walking around taking photographs no they grabbed, were like, they, no, no. <laughs> throwing fish heads at them no they yes exactly. they were rock hunting they were rock hunting is that what they were doing yes. i don't know they were carrying cameras walking around hey, isn't there um, like a like a rock bone in a fish or something like in their head 
It's a little dot. Marble. I know you can yeah. take a rock yeah. and bust the head open and it kills them. <laughs> yeah, no, no. But there's like, there's like a bone that people talk about that's in like a fish head. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what the official name is. Or what it does. But yeah. I know that there's something people are after inside of a fish head. So, there you go. Yeah, that was our fishing trip this weekend. <laughs> that sounds fun. It was fun. Yeah. It was a blast. I try to go fish. And keeping fish is fun. Like, the, I, I'll never keep a fish on the quad. But it's nice to go out and catch your own food and make your own lunch. I took a portable stove out there, grilled them up. They were delicious. I wouldn't really consider it a lunch. I'd consider it half an appetizer. <laughs> <laughs> it took you more time to cook that thing. No, the thing is, I was like, you know, okay, so we probably caught a dozen fish, and the limit out there is five fish per person. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yep. oh, let's just keep two each. Like, going back to actually have a full meal, we should have kept five, five. Fish, each, yeah. five fish each. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty great, though. Yeah. I will say we didn't get a lot of bites like like it was like half a chicken nugget, but they tasted amazing. Yeah, it, and it really is good. cool to like catch your own lunch. Like I'm just gonna say that it's pretty awesome. Catch your own snack. Yeah, yeah c- catch your own like. It wasn't even like it was like an eighth of a charcuterie plate. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Odom. Uh, we're going to talk to you about photography because um, you're a pretty big photographer, pretty good photographer, yeah. in my opinion. You probably won't say that about yourself. But, um, and it's my understanding you were like, photography was your big hobby before fly fishing. Yeah, it was. I actually um, took it up in high school, went to college, and because I went to East Tennessee, well, Knoxville, um, I had a lot of opportunities to take a lot of photography, especially in the Smoky Mountains, yeah. you know? I mean, God, I mean, it's just beautiful, right? So thank God I didn't take up fly fishing and photography at the same time. I'd be, a, I'd be homeless, <laughs> <laughs> you know? But yeah, I did. And then I took photography class in college. I worked at a photography class, I mean, um, uh, uh, a store. Like a developing store? Yeah. So, oh, you know, cool. those wolf cameras uh, that you see in the mall? Where yeah. you print it out and, and and it spits it out and you can see it as you walk by the store. I'm probably dating myself because I'm old. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I have no see Cliff like, what the hell are you yeah. talking about? What is this print thing? <laughs> and I'm the oldest one out here. Yeah. Besides you. I Yeah, I am. I am old. But yeah, so I, I worked at Wolf Cameras. I was develop, the uh, printer and developer of those film when you would bring them in and I would print them out yeah, and it would just spit out on, on this machine as you people walk by, you can see prints being developed. So that was kind of like a, um, a attention getter, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it worked there. That's awesome. So, okay. We could get photography could get really technical. I think most of our listeners are on like a baseline. I want to catch fish. I want to remember this fish or I'm doing it for the gram and I want to mm-hmm. post a cool photo. Um, what are some like uh, photography tips you have for people like while uh, fishing? Yeah, while fishing. And I know too. Um, one thing I know about you is you take your your fish pictures on an iPhone. Yeah, I do about eighty percent of it on an iPhone. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah, I would and, not guess and, that. And the other are through my digital camera. And you have a Sony, you have a mirrorless, right? Yeah, I have a Sony A7 Mark III, and the, uh, the crop version is the Sony A6300. 
6,300, I think. Yeah, we both have 6,500. Yeah. I had yeah. the A7 II for a bit, but yeah. didn't use it enough to justify it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's one of the special moments that you um, that you take with you. So if I know that it's going to be a special trip, I take that big full frame with me. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah like if I was going to Alaska. Right? You bring so, it. Yeah, yeah, that was a lot of those Alaska photos that you saw was my, my A7. A7, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but also what you're saying is that every guy out there doesn't need a really nice camera out there to go and take good pictures. Because I think most people assume that you're not taking like Zach and before I knew that you did that most of your pictures are on your iPhone. Yeah, and you know with with uh, photography, it's about the lighting. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to go there in high noon and it's going to be very contrasty colors, uh, a lighting, everything's going to look horrible. Just doesn't matter. Even like with the greatest camera that you have, the lighting is going to be horrible. But the best day, my favorite day, is on a cloudy, rainy day, because the colors are so saturated and everything's uh, vibrant. But if you go on a bright sunny day, just expect that the photos are not going to be that great yeah. mm. compared to to a you know cloudy and a rainy day. Rainy days are my favorite. Mm-hmm. If you ever watched some of my photos, I love rainy days. Yeah. Those are my favorite. So, okay, so you want to, you know, lighting is important. What are some other tips? Or, like, what are some common things you see out there? And, you know, some people don't care. They just, like, fish in the net, picture. Yeah. They don't care. But some people, you know, they they really want to try to get a cool picture, especially if it's, like, a really memorable fish. You know, a lot of people don't even take pictures of most fish fish they catch, but they catch the biggest fish they've caught on the quad ever, and they want to, you know, take a photo of that to remember it and show their friends and um how do you do something other than like a grip and grin yeah like what's like what do you think when yeah. you're staging a photo actually on um besides grip and grin the, the best photos are actually the ones where they're hovering above the net mm. so i mean so if you have a net that floats i let them uh, I, I let the fish uh, stay just above the net so if it drops it drops back in the net uh-huh. if you look at some of those photos a lot of those fish photos are just hovering above the net. Yeah. What um what's your Instagram so people can go look at your photos? Um Odom on the fly. Odom on the fly. Yeah. Okay. So those those photos are just above the net and um, And you're not holding the fish or anything in most of these photos, if I remember correct. Yeah, some you of just, them are not. Yeah, you just you know, fish and then net underneath. Yeah, and uh, underneath it, or you just hold it by the tail and yeah. then the photo's right there and the fish is above the net. Mm-hmm. I mean just the fish is in water sometimes. Yeah. Most of the time. Yeah, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a little different change. And I try not to have a lot of the group and grid, but if I do get fish that I'm really it's like, yeah, Damn, that's that's a nice fish. I do want. I yeah. Do want that. I have nothing yeah. against the grip and grin, you know, yeah. as long as you're not waving around your head for yeah. minutes at a time. You and, know? and the best way to take those photos, I mean, is just like have the net right underneath you. And then just raise it up real quick, take a photo. And what I do is, I mean, it literally, if you're ever with me, it takes less than three, te- three seconds. And it just looks nicer. Yeah. Because if you just let it sit out there, it's dry. Yeah. If you look at my photos, a lot of them are dripping wet. Right. Mm-hmm. You look at the fish, and you'll see it drips. It's because I'm like, one, two, three. Ready? Boom, boom, boom. Done. Put it in the net, and you can release it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or if you need to retake that one more time, it's... You know, it's breathing in the water. Right. And then you pick it up and you don't stress it out, but you're just sitting there. And I've seen guys that sit there, <laughs> hold it out like that. I yeah. Mean, mm-hmm. it, you know, it puts a lot of stress on the fish. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, what's the most, uh, what's your favorite picture you've ever taken? Oh, man. 
Like desktop background, never oh, gonna change it. Desktop background, yeah. Yeah. Th- so there's two. Um, okay. The current one that I have right now, it's a it's a brown at Cheeseman Canyon, and it's a it's it's one that that uh, it's it's a one it's a hold just above the water, and it's dripping right there, and so it's that's the one. And then there's another one of my son and the guide in Alaska, and he's with the guide and all the back scenery of Alaska's behind, uh, just behind them. So that's one of my favorites. Mm. Yeah. There's, there's a lot, but I, I, when like just just off my head when you ask me that question. Those are the ones that come yeah. to mind. Yeah. Yeah. Um, man, I'm trying to think what other type of photography questions I could ask you. Uh, Zach, you have any? Um, so, yeah, so, okay. Uh, lens length. We'll get a little technical with it. Yeah. Uh, what's your go-to uh, lens and... Yeah, what's your go-to lens? So my favorite, if I'm fishing and doing photography on, on the river, is a 35 f1.8. Okay, so just prime 35? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And if I'm, it's a all around, just walk around and, and um, all purpose, a 24 to 70 f2.8. Okay. That um, 35, is it on your crop or is it on your full frame? Full frame. Okay. So but yeah. I do have it on crop as well. I, but you know with the crop, then it's like a 50 it's or a whatever. 50, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, because I have a nineteen that's kind of like a thirty-five equivalent yeah. on a crop. Yeah. So those those are my favorite. But then you know, I am going to work on something a little different. Where now I'm going to do seventy to two hundred f two point eight. Okay. Where if you're standing by that truck and you hold up the fish, the fish is going to just be like just the fish, and the whole entire background is going to just blown. Blur. Yeah. It's just mm-hmm. so I'm. I'm that's something new that I'm going to be working yeah, on. Just real okay. tight shots on the fish. Yeah, really tight. Like great. Yeah. yeah, it looks. I mean, you see everything. I mean, just little drips of water, just glimmering on 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 the scale. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be fun. Do you shoot raw? I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll walk raw too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Fishing. What are a lot of beginner mistakes that you see? Um. And I'll follow that up with another question in a second. Yeah. Um, for people that are really trying, because I know some people just, they don't they don't care. They're just like, I want to get a shot real quick. doesn't really matter. Um, but for the people that are trying to get to take better pictures. So I, I think one one mistake I see a lot of people do is, is like taking photographs with the sun behind them. And just nothing shows up because then it's all shadowed, right? Dark. Mm-hmm. Dark. And so... Just flip, flip around. You know, if even even if it's a, a sunny day, that even the it's not going to be, be the best color, but at least you see something, and it's not so it's overshadowed and, and it's in shadow. So, I think that when I see a lot of photos taken that was like, dang. I mean, they should have just just flip one eighty. Yeah, yeah, do one eighty, and would have been just fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah it would have been a lot better for sure. Yeah, and 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 it's a fish of that they you know, that's they're proud of. Yeah. Then now it's just a shadow, an outline. Right. So that's that's probably one of the things that that I see a big mistakes. And and the other one is I I think is, is that um, most people don't hold the fish properly to to get the full frame of the fish. So we'll just pretend like this is you know this is my a fish, and instead of holding like this, people hold it like this. Oh yeah. yeah. So it, so what Odom's doing is instead of having 
your your palms basically your fingers down and underneath and your palms facing the camera people will have one hand facing the camera but then the back of their hand will be over the tail or vice versa so you see like the back of your hand uh, camera forward yeah correct yeah yeah i mean if if you're asking to take like just a fish photo I think that's I think that's some of the mistakes that I see, and that's not considered just for grip and grin. But if you're wanting to see the full body from head to tail, mm-hmm. you don't cover up that tail unless yeah. that's your intent. Right. Like you, you know, that's something that you're in- intending to do. But if you place the fish like this with the palm open, then you can see the whole entire fish and still kind of cradle it. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, I see people making those mistakes there. Um, what about like safe handling techniques while people are taking? Pictures, because I know, um, and you already kind of touched touched it a little bit, um, but you know their cameras buried in their bag, and they got a million things going on. They might be wearing gloves, and there's just a lot going on. So, if people go into a day like I'm going to take pictures today on the river, how can I be more prepared when I catch that fish to get a good picture quickly that I'm not messing with the fish too long? Yeah. So the first thing is always leave the fish. I always leave the fish in the net mm-hmm. and, and the water. in the water and then i have my gear ready but most of the times i, I can get if anybody's fished with me before it I know, knows that i can take a photo in less than probably five seconds yeah and i'm, I'm done mm-hmm. right so um because you kind of have it in your head already like once i catch this fish what do i need to do yeah and you kind of play it in your head so i'm gonna have to swing my sling bag over unzip it take it done and it goes on is your, uh, is your sling bag uh, waterproof? Uh, some of it is. Okay. Um, some of it isn't. I can't find the perfect bag. I have like, dude, I have like a dozen bags. Well, that's the tough, because like I like to take photos too. And I feel like I want all my gear protected. So I have it like that, yeah. you know, backpack, fully waterproof guy. Yep. Um, but the thing with that is, is it takes so much time to set up. So I almost yeah. feel like if I go out with the intent of taking photos, like I kind of half fish, but fully focus on photos versus if i go out to fully fish photos kind of take a back end and there's no compartment in, in those waterproof bags no that's like it's you just can't it's a bag a hole yeah <laughs> it's a zip and it's a hole there's no compartments yeah. or anything yeah. like that so um yeah so when i go out and when i go out with the expensive equipment mm. i have to i i I have to use a waterproof one because yeah. I've lost one before. Oh, but it was a it was a you know cheap Canon one, so it but was still one those, though, yeah, I mean, no. like, But that'll put in your mind that's a yeah. possibility. Yeah, it know? was the lens that I care more about than yeah. than the camera that that I it I just accidentally dropped. It happens. Yeah, yeah. So, um, what about you know? It's really easy when you have someone else because like you know. I hook the fish. Zach has time to get his camera out, and he's ready to go. You know, I can net it. We can get a picture real quick. I can release it, or vice versa. But I go fishing by myself, and you can't really do the grip and grin by yourself. Um, what do you do? How do you take pictures when you're by yourself and there's not someone else to take the picture for you? Yeah, it's not it's not optimal. I would say, I would tell you that it just doesn't it just never looks as good as with if you were with someone. Um, sometimes I put the uh, camera on a rock mm-hmm. and, and just do a, a timer on it, you know, Yeah. And, and, and do that way. But it just never looks as good, man. Yeah. It just, just never. You can't see it. and Yeah, it just doesn't look as good. Yeah, and you could also do what you're talking about where you have the net floating and the fish kind of above the net. Yeah, and or use that. your phone, I guess, too. But Yeah, 
Yeah, I, I just, I, that's why I like to go fish with, with friends, right? So first of all, I like to take photos of them. Mm-hmm. And then if I get a good fish that I like, I like for them to also take a photo for me. Mm-hmm. So it's good and it's, it's great for them as well, you know, because when they do catch that fish. Yeah, they have to their yeah, yeah, it's really cool because I like taking photos of my friends fishing too. Mm-hmm. What is the coolest fish picture you've ever seen? And you're like, ooh, oh man, I would so have many. loved to taken that picture. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Um, I can't think of any. Like, I mean, there's so many. If you go on the gram, there's some great photos, man. I mean, yeah. just, uh, I just can't. I don't know, man. I think tarpon are cool. Like people getting tarpon jumping. Because yeah, that's a, that's a hard picture. Yeah, that's a hard picture to get. And yeah. the lighting is right, and you get the tarpon to eat. You know, so many things have to come together. Yeah, that I'm. That it's. I do. I do have one. One that I. Well, the type of that I, that I like is that that trout just about to sipping on 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 that on on, on the fly. Or oh, some you sort see, of like the water kind of cave yeah, in a little bit. In, it's it's he's he's kind of like swallowing that water. Yeah. In. Just that good close up shot. I do like those. That's a tough shot to get too. Yeah, especially like during a hatch where it's like, where are they going to go? Yep. And you have to have like a, a polarized filter that on and a pretty long lens yeah it li- yeah pretty good long lens so like it's just on the banks and you're seeing it right there but mm-hmm. yeah those those are hard ones didn't you oh. take oh go ahead Dad. No, no, I, I just on filters uh do you use filters i use polarizers uh-huh. um on especially on like if i want to get really uh deep vivid yeah um, colors do you have a because like they're levels because i don't use any filters right now but what level do you use i just use the circleizer one okay and, and so is a circular one and that you can twist and and, and, and it changes as you it go changes as you go do yeah. you leave it on the whole whole time no uh okay. so if it's if it's a certain day that i don't think i need it um i, I don't use it okay especially if, but if i want to do one where it's a straight shot on the water mm-hmm then I use the polarizer because you it's just twist it and gets a little bit darker. Mm-hmm. Or it yeah, kind of enhances the effect. Yeah, and reduces glare. Okay. Yeah, I do like that. Yeah. So, what are some tips? You do a lot of wildlife photography too. I've seen like your buffalo pictures and stuff before. What are some tips for just wildlife photography? Someone sees a deer out while they're fishing, or someone's out somewhere they see a cool animal that they want to take a picture of. Yeah. So, what I normally do is, if I know this is the scenery that I like. Let's just say, for example, the the buffalo one, right? Mm-hmm. I frame it like I have I have the photo in mind. I always have the end in mind. Okay. Yeah. So go with the end in mind. Like I want it to look like this, and then you can you can almost frame it that way, because a, a lot of people do what they do is they put sometimes the the object in the center, and that's not the prettiest, because you know the rule of thirds. Yeah. Yeah. So. What is the rule of thirds? Like you imagine like a grid essentially in your frame. Like if you have two lines separating into three columns and you have two lines going from left to right separating into three rows, you want your subject to be on one of those crosshairs in your photo. And you can actually turn on the the frames in any camera, even on your iPhone. Mm. Yeah, so, so the iPhone has that option where you can use the grid. Uh, most of the time, it's not saying that it it needs to be like always on the grid, but because there's some portraits that like yeah, look center. amazing centered, you yeah. know. But it just it depends on what you're doing. But most things, especially like if you have one subject and you want a lot of background, something a little off 
on one of those crosshairs looks great. Mm-hmm. Like, like, so I'm just showing um, Landon and uh, Zach the photo of the buffalo, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's not centered, Mm-mm. but it does, it gets more interesting perspective. It right. tells it a was, better story, not centered, if it, I think. If yeah. that buffalo was the only thing in the frame, it would be kind of a boring yeah. picture This to leads look at. the eye. Right. This leads the eye when it's in the, the grid section, the lower bottom grid, it leads the eye to the left. Mm-hmm. So it looks much more interesting than in the center. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, unless that is the only thing, then the center is okay. But I, I, w- I would say, you know, learn how to use the rule of thirds in photography. Yeah. Um, are you into like photography books or anything like that? Because I get a lot of inspiration. Like, I mean, with Instagram now, it's yeah. all of it's there. Yeah. Um, but I still like checking out, you know, photographers. Yeah, I do. I mean, but my, my, um, the people that I admire are like really old school. Yeah. And um, the guys who were in film, who were the pioneers of like just at that moment, right, where it's books before it became digital. Uh-huh. And so, but they were in, still in film. And so who's a couple of your favorite? Because I primarily shoot film now because yeah. that's just what I enjoy doing. But So for wildlife photography, I like Art Wolf. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so it's, he's, still, he's still doing some a lot of work and great work. Uh, and then there was another um, uh, photographer who did like macro photography. I used to be into macro photography. Mm-hmm. This guy named John Shaw, um, he just, just extraordinary. Uh, he did some landscaping, but his his thing was macro photography, and I, I it was awesome. I and so I did it. Like, if you really want to do, and, and you can't go out and do things, and you're on a budget, macro photography, man. Yeah. I, it, everything close up at a, like 50x looks cool it's interesting yeah. it's cool right <laughs> and flowers coins i mean cooking sheets dude it's awesome yeah yeah cooking sheets. <laughs> <laughs> i actually did man yeah, yeah. and you put a coin on on, on used cooking sheets uh-huh. it's extraordinary yeah it looks great that's cool yeah and then uh for um you know landscape like elliot porter he did did a lot of that, so I like that. Cool. Yeah. What time are we at, Zach? We're a little over. Oh, all right. That went that flew by, Odom. Yeah. Yeah. Um thanks for coming on the podcast with us. Yes, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. We appreciate it. We'll get you. Yeah, back thanks, on. Odom. We 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 had to pick between your resume options, carp and Euronymphing and photography. And I think photography was the most different thing, so we picked that, but if you want to come back on again, we'd love to have you on for like Euro nymphing and or carp session or carp or yeah. either or. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it was fun, man. I appreciate it. Appreciate the invite. Appreciate the bourbon. Yeah. It was good. Yeah, it was yeah. good. Hey, oh, we didn't honey pot it. Cliff. Oh yeah, we didn't honey pot it. Okay, uh, Odom, gut check rating one to five on that buffalo trace. Three and a half. Three okay. and a half. Yep. Uh, I give it like a four to four and a half. If I find it, I'll buy it. Yeah, I was going to say like a four for me. Cliff? Three. Three. Maybe. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, you're, you're stingy on your ratings, but you did give one a five. Yeah, because it's a really good one that I could do multiple things with. What I think it was it? the only one we anybody gave a five to, and it was yeah. just you. What was it? That Jensen's Creek? Was it Jensen's Creek? Something like that. Is was it, it Rowan Rowan feedback? Oh, no, Rowan's Creek. Rowan's Creek. Yeah, yeah. It had a good flavor to it. It would be good. a great one to cook with as well. 
Like it was a good like sipper, good cooking. And you can find it pretty regularly. Yeah. What is it? Rodin's Creek? Rowan's Creek. It's a Hunter Barcraft. Uh, Hunter Barcroft. Okay. Uh, brought it on the podcast when he okay. was on. Yeah. It was it was solid. It was, I think that's probably our highest rated one overall. Oh, yeah. Because I bought a bottle afterwards. Yeah. And I've shared it with people and they love it. So it's um, good. Hey, Ian, what are your, uh, for Ian's words of wisdom, what are you going to leave us with tonight? Oh, man. Um, uh, don't drink expired kombucha from your own fridge. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, that's pretty good advice. That today. is very good advice. <laughs> hey, I forgot to ask you, too. What would you rate your orange juice uh, gut check on a, on a scale <laughs> Dude. of five? Uh, zero. Um, I mean, I would go negative if I could. Sorry. So I'm you're just... not buying it again? No, I would. I didn't even buy it. First off, I was given <laughs> it. it. Was... It's a long story. It's roommates. Oh man. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, then on that note, we'll see you next week. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Cliff.